with these dance moves, anyone who's not watching this should start. Is this basically how we're trying to convince people to watch versus listen? Welcome everybody to the 53rd, yes we made it one year, episode of the Light Shed Podcast. I'm Brandon Ross with Walter Pikesick and Richard S. Greenfield. We made Don't it. They guys, play that during Yankees. We, we did not know. Is that a you song know what? So it's a Yankees my memory song. of that song is, I think, the 1999 Mets playoff run. Like every time they got a big hit, um, like Benny Agbayani hit what they sit, put up on the screen as a Hawaiian punch. Um, they would play that song, and it was it was awesome. Didn't they have like a really skinny old like guy on the screen doing a weird dance? So now we just did the fat version of that. Well, why? Because we're all fat. I am at least. So. Yeah, fat I, old guy version. The only one who's not fat anymore is is Rich because he's very dedicated to his Peloton. What about Joe Galone? I, I was well, on the Peloton last night. <laughs> Joe, <laughs> Joe Joe Galone. Um, is certainly not fat. He's a he's a very um, in shape. I don't know if he's in shape, but he's he he's needs very to be Sammy. Yeah, he's he's very thin. The one among us all who is in the best shape is Mark. And I also want to note that today, the twenty third day of April, is his birthday. So, Mark, birthday. I know you're listening, and you'll probably WhatsApp back a big hearty thank you, but. Happy birthday, Mark. Speaking of my COVID-20, Rich, how's your New Year's resolution? He says, yee, thank you. I knew. It's so predictable. Reading books, I would say I am. I'm not just failing, Walt. I'm failing. Oh, you're not reading anything. What's he reading? He's reading his own tweets. Have you read anything (laughs) since the New Year's? (laughs) Yes. Have you read anything in the New Year's? No. Jeez. He, He certainly didn't read the topic list that we sent him for this week. Because when when Mark sent it out this morning and like he had two things at the top, then right after Rich goes, yeah, but just make sure you include. And it was the first two things on the list. I'm reading so, the biography. Great, of the great minds that think alike. I'm reading currently the, the story of Blackberry. And holy cow, that's a goodie in terms of some of the crazy mismanagement stuff that they did. And Good enough to be a movie or a TV series? What do you think? Uh, I don't know. Probably not, but interesting for those. It isn't always about monetization, Rich. Sometimes <laughs> it's just about enjoyment and education. We don't monetize the Light Shed podcast, but people enjoy it and we educate them. I still want a sponsor. I really want one sponsor. We're going to get one. I'm telling you. Who do, who would you, who do you want it to be? I think we could definitely get one of these new coins to sponsor what us. What about Bonobos? It's bonobos. (laughs) I'm thinking Blade would make a good sponsor for our podcast. Is it bonobos? Why? Because we have such a high-end audience. Yeah. I I would think that's a pretty good... You know, you need... Some luxury brand should want to sponsor this. Luxury. Porsche. I don't know. Luxury. Porsche. (laughs) Porsche. I don't... I think we're a little too ragtag to have such a high-end, distinguished brand. Sorry, how about, Someone, how about we got to embrace. We got to embrace who we are. Maybe we could have Pluto TV. <laughs> TV. Are you all in on Avod, Rich? 
<laughs> I'm just saying, like, I mean, I'm trying to think of like masses. You know, you want masses. You can go to Avod for masses. I mean, okay. Uh, um, well, okay. Should, should we reflect on the past year and all the amazing no. things that have? I don't think we should either. No, I think we should Let's just, just reflect going. on how crazy this week was and the was fact it? that the well, the biggest news of this week it came and gone in the span of our podcast, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. In an hour. Uh, oh, well, you're talking about in between the two podcasts. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Podcasts. You're talking. The, you're talking about the Super League. Which, you know, I think Walt, when when the news headline started hitting, Walt's first reaction was, this is going to, this is not going to stick. This is going to end quickly. And I think Walt gets a lot of credit for like the the initial, rea- his gut reaction of how European fans were going to react to this news was spot on. And that it, I just think the pace of change is what sort of shocked me is that, you know, everyone started trying to think about the implications. Is this going to hurt Paramount Plus, which has champions league like there were so many things that we were thinking about in terms of implications who might buy super league media rights and literally in 48 hours it, it's gone just sort of incredible yeah i think for podcast listeners um the tweet that we're ta- what we're talking about here is an attempt by some of the more premier leagues in europe trying to create their own league but it would have had negative impacts to their individual the individual leagues that they have in the country. And, and the biggest proponent of this was the president of Real Madrid, Real Madrid, <clears throat> Florentino, who, when this first announced and got all this negative reaction with the fans, did his kind of classic, like, go fuck yourself. It's like, oh, the contract of the Super League, this is his quotes, is binding. No one, nobody can leave. We will we'll all work together. And then he's like, all the clubs signed the contracts last Saturday. There's no problem. We're not waiting for anyone. So, like, uh, Florentino, no. You were wrong. It fucking ended in like two days. Although, yeah, I mean, the, pr- the pressure came from a lot of different places, most notably from the fan bases. But ultimately, what the Super League would have done was redistribute wealth, but not in the classic Robin Hood way of stealing from the rich and giving to the poor, but really stealing from the poor teams to better fund the rich teams and stealing from the, you know, the lesser players, shall I say, and ultimately giving to um, to the top players in the league. And these it, teams was, it was an are, ill-conceived idea across the board. And these teams are already like getting a disproportionate number of the cash and already spending much more than their peers. And this, this would just drive it further. It would have killed. Well, well, for fans, that, they, for, sorry, for listeners or watchers that are not, you know, European soccer diehards. There's no salary caps in Europe. Like these teams can spend whatever they want. So there's already you know, what what some of these teams are spending versus others is already dramatically yeah, of different. Of course. And what's interesting about it is put COVID aside, they're either not profitable or not as profitable right. as they should be because they keep spending. Mismanagement. So mismanagement. Ulti- yeah. not it, all it is of them. mismanagement. It's not all of them, but many yeah. of them. So ultimately, it, what probably would have happened in the case of the Super League was they would have just wound up paying players much, much more. They probably they would have taken in much more revenue taken away from the board teams, but squandered it and still not been profitable. It would have been a boon for the top portion of the players. Or maybe not spend on the players like Kroenke for poor, the poor Arsenal fans where he doesn't invest in the team and um, whatever. Well, it's dead now. Do you think there's... Can we see that next tweet, Rich? Because I think this yeah, is yeah. also entertaining. 
No, this is, really enter- this is really multiple, entertaining. Both multiple of days after the fact. He said, uh, Rich, by the way, is slow to the trigger again for the second week in a row. Yes. Can you please take your on? vitamins? Eat your Wheaties, Rich. I don't care about that second one. But the first one is a statement from J.P. Morgan, who was the one that was going to finance this. We clearly misjudged how this deal would be viewed by the wider football community and how it might impact them. And if you, that is true, that you were completely daft in that, um, like that drop, daft. Uh, but my favorite part of this tweet is we will learn from this. <laughs> there's there's a major bank saying we will. How many times have we heard we will learn from this? Will did you, they learn from Arch Ghost? Did, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my point. <laughs> Just give us the laundry list of did, who they were going to learn from. We will learn from this. Like, okay. Did they learn from Subprime? <laughs> <laughs> we will learn from this. It's just sort of uh, staggering how, you know, I just wonder whether there's pushback. I was going to ask you, Walt, like, do you think there's pushback against American ownership or American intervention sure. into European soccer now? I mean, my favorite troops, who's an, an Arsenal fan who Barstool now pays, um, is continuing his attack on the American owners. Um, because, you know, you could argue that Florentino is not who is the kind of leader in this, um, <clears throat> but there were still the English teams that did it have American owners and they're, you know, they're using this as a time to pressure in Arsenal's case, Kroenke Liverpool's got um, uh, the sports group in Boston, uh, you know, headed up by John Henry, you know, it's, you know, you can list it. So there's, there's already kind of um, anti-American um, feelings towards the owners from a lot of these teams, because if they don't win, <laughs> it's basically like if you don't win, blame it on the owner and blame it on the Yankees. So there might be some, some um, continued pressure there. Because they attempted to do something that would kill, that would have, in my opinion, at least killed the English Premier League, um, which is a great league. It's it's the second best sports league, in my opinion, um, to the NFL. Well, look, we've seen sharp reversals. I'm not sure we've ever seen a sports reversal like this, but it was funny to see Reed Hastings earlier today uh, literally tweet out, and I'll read this for everyone, should the Super League have been named Quickster, which if everyone remembers was sort of the, the when they were literally going to create uh, you know, two separate services. Uh, the DVD service was going to be called Quickster, uh, separate from Netflix was streaming. And, I, you know, the, the pushback, it, obviously it wasn't fans, but it was the Netflix users pushed back and Reed sort of had to get up in front of the whole world and sort of take his own medicine and admit that his mistake. And I, I you know what? It's I just forget all this. I have one thing to say. Yeah. Okay which is it's glad to see that Reed still has a sense of humor after his earnings <laughs> report this week. <laughs> well, and, and, and I'm going to, uh, no, no, no. And so, no, no, no. And so I was going to segue because I think that's perfect. I segue I, I changed oh, the order. So I just think it's important. Brandon, Rich, go ahead. I have never like, so for those who aren't familiar, I don't know. I've been looking at Netflix for what 15 17 years you you for like 15 whatever it is and we've discussed it every quarter for 60 quarters or whatever it is this was the most disappointed shall i say or shaken that i've ever seen you by a netflix quarter including many misses in the past you know look it it was the fact that it was it really felt like the company wasn't prepared for just how bad the first half of this year was going to be. Like there was sort of yep. no body language of just how disappointing. Well, they, they clearly didn't know. 
right? And yeah, which, which there to me has means been a, trouble I, predicting the business. I would say both ways, right? So correct. if you if you look at last year, and there's they had that chart in their earnings release where they put what the forecast was as one dot, and then like where they came in as another, and they've, you know, they were off. You know, too con- they were too conservative for several quarters, and now they were just blindsided the other way. But the question really is, is like all the excitement last year when Reed himself was like, this is a pull forward, right? Yep. Um, and everyone was like, oh, no, it's not. Like he increased the TAM, et cetera, et cetera. It turns out it was minimally a pull forward, right? And maximally... Why? Like, who knows? It, it looks, at least to me, if you look at the globe for Netflix, like the U.S. is obviously mature and its price increases, right? It looks like a lot of the established international markets have also hit, you know, some real maturity. And then it comes down to, for that hyper growth that we're looking for, what does Asia look like? And there are big markets in Asia, such as Japan and India, but they haven't shown demonstrable content market fit yet. So this is going to come down to, I think, for Netflix, whether or not they can really hit the content in India, hit the content in Japan, if we're going to see that sort of next you know, growth spurt. Otherwise, we're probably looking at a company that is growing nicely with generating a lot of free cash flow, but it'll trade at a multiple similar to a Facebook or Google. So you're telling me the thesis for Netflix relies on India and people paying a subscription in India? Because I can tell you what the wireless bills are like in India, and it's they aren't high. Uh, it doesn't require India. It requires all of Asia Pacific, a good chunk of continental Europe, and not so, and, and continued growth in broadband across Latin America. That's really because you're not going to grow those dramatically towers. in the U.S. And look, well, Latin the reality is going to see better broadband via wireless. I mean, there's investments that are getting made, and that growth is happening, and people are, and those ARPUs are going up because of use of broadband. Look, wireless Netflix broadband. Has, Netflix has 200 million subs. If you believe the TAM, like if you believe the ceiling is three to 400 million subscribers you shouldn't own Netflix stock. If you believe that ultimately there's going to be six, seven, eight, nine hundred billion, you know, you billion. know subscribers. No, there's not nine hundred billion. Nine hundred million. Sorry. Million. You said bill you said billion. Like I'd be like, holy shit, that would be a big TAM. Yeah, I'm in on that. <laughs> uh what I meant is no, that, if you believe yeah, that there if you believe that there is that type of long term potential. And if you think about Netflix they're very data-driven, meaning they only spend money to Brandon's point about content market fit. They only really start spending aggressively when they see the opportunity to actually drive subs. And they're spending 17 billion this year, probably 20 billion next year. So if they're spending and they're not going to see that chart we had before, if they don't see that reacceleration in subscriber growth, then they're making a mistake ramping their spend. So it's either this is a massive mistake and they literally have no idea what they're talking about, or it's a timing issue and you're going to see tremendous growth starting in the right. back half of the year into 2022. Which is when I, a lot of, like they pointed out or we saw in other places, I don't know, there were some conferences and stuff that a bunch of content, a bunch of series are going to drop in India in particular in the back half of the year and their total content spend is weighted to the back half. Well, look, so, And on top we'll of say, that, well, but look, on top of that, Jason Kylar, 
was yeah. on Bloomberg yesterday and basically said people think that there's hundreds of millions. Like he basically made it sound like the size of the SVOD market. He was talking to Emily Chang on Bloomberg TV, and he was talking about the fact that the size of the streaming market is so much bigger than people realize long term. And that's why HBO diversified into HBO Max, why they're investing so aggressively in HBO Max. Look, Jason came from Hulu. I think, you know, I think him and Reed both understand the ultimate scale of this business. And it's why they're creating the companies that they are. I just thought what was funny. I mean, I've got these tweets up here, one from Brendan Brady and one from Miles Fisher. Yeah, read them out because don't forget. I will. Most I will, people but listen. I wanna, but I want to set the narrative. And start dancing. I, I was sort of shocked that the narrative around HBO Max, I was seeing literally stories from lots of news sources. I'm not going to call any one person out, but it was like, HBO Max numbers show that, you know, Warner Media strategy is a failure. The movie strategy, like they, they were just shitting all over Warner Media and HBO Max. So Brendan Brady from Antenna says 2.8 million retail net ads to HBO Max is strong. Perspective. Since 2012, the past 37 quarters, Netflix has only crossed over 2 million net ads in the U.S. and Canada on seven occasions and eclipsed 2.8 million only once. That's that's incredible. It it was an incredible quarter. A couple of things that I point out, like a lot of times people will bring up how quickly Disney was able to get to scale. I mean, look, Netflix, like think about it as the old West. They were the pioneers who cleared the path for all of the other settlers, you know, to, to follow them. So, of course, you know, HBO went over the top. They added a bunch of content with with Max eventually added, you know, first run movies to it. Like, yeah, of course they're going to be able to get to scale because people quicker because people understand streaming. Right. So I take that a little bit with a grain of salt, but what it does show you is that look, HBO is, especially in the U S is further establishing themselves. And for those who are choosing, perhaps some of them choose one over the other. Look, Maybe for, for, uh, for my entire career, HBO has had 30 plus million subscribers. Yeah. Like, go back remember as long as we ever remember about, about Netflix US that it would top they, out at 30. Why? Yes. Because HBO topped out at 30 because AOL topped out at 30. So on and so uh, forth. I'm not I'm not going to out the media. Netflix executive is the that one said who's that. it's it's not just one, actually, Rich. No, no, I remember I a few saying that. Right. But like, you know, that. Netflix is the one who sort of broke through that glass ceiling, so to speak. And now others are are following well, them. HBO Max has more subscribe. HBO and HBO Max have more subscribers in the US than Disney Plus. That's a fact. It gets lost in all of this, but it's a fact. So it's just sort of crazy that people are looking at this as a negative. But then the other thing that I sort of think kind of falls into Walt's world that's interesting. We've got Miles who, Fisher. Who, who said it was negative? Because AT&T stock was up quite nicely on, on the on the print. I'm just telling you the amount of stories I read in the media oh, world that okay. this was a that this showed that this was disappointing or bad was incredible. Story after story. Okay. But that that the what that the net ads were were bad. 
Correct. The net ads were disappointing, given that they were putting up huge movies onto the service. Well, we should have had some. So. Of, we should have had some of those tweets to troll then, Rich. I don't because the bottom line is the stock was up. I mean, obviously wireless was good for T, so that was probably the primary driver. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, of why it was up. But still, like I don't, I'm not, I don't remember hearing a lot of negativity about HBO. What what are you, what publications are you reading? He's um, reading the rags. Yeah, that's well, what we do. Oh, now he's going. You don't have to we, look for them now. We, Rich, do not look for them now. But, but, but okay. we could. Tr- we, but if you do find them in the future, we could have trolled the person. You know, l- okay. allow me. I'm always good to troll for a good troll. But, but, but Miles he, was re- he was reading Moffat Nathanson. <laughs> <laughs> okay, stop. that is true. So, they are pretty. So, 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 so it's very so, possible. So, so Miles bad for T and Dish, right? Everything. <laughs> Miles Fisher responded. He works at T-Mobile. His response was, and I think this is interesting, Walt. He goes, modeled ARPU with churn reduction on core wireless for AT&T is the real metric for HBO Max. Other carriers are paying for bundles. So he's obviously even talking about, if you think about what what T-Mobile does, T-Mobile's paying, obviously, to have access to to Netflix. AT&T owns theirs. And so I just think it's an important point that never gets brought up in any of these articles. When people look at HBO Max, they never talk about what is the benefit or value add it has However small it may be, but whatever that benefit is, is meaningful to AT and T. I mean, no offense, Miles, but um, so Verizon doesn't own Disney, and that's part of their wireless bundle. And you could argue that Disney has a much better content um, package at the moment than uh, than HBO Max, and a Verizon's churn didn't go down like AT and T's did in this quarter. So I don't know if the facts really support that that statement at the moment. Should we, talk the about Apple's, should we talk about Apple's big event, Walt? Um, we can talk about Anything Apple's exciting? event. Let's, let's, read the event. let's read the um, tweets. Let's read the tweets. And the then tweets are can... first is from The Verge, which is Apple Podcasts launches in-app subscriptions. So, but I think we before we go to the tech meme, yeah. um, meme, however you pronounce that, um, we can first talk meme. about the subscription. First of all, for me, just stylistically, Apple kind of flew through this aspect of the major presentation that they had, um, the podcast, and spent obviously more time on on what they did with IMAX and announcing these new tags and things like this. Some interesting things. Those tags, purple. I think, are gonna purple, be, purple, and the purple phone. Yeah, more razors, more razors. Um, so yeah, I mean, so this. I was- already got those tags. Only it's a different brand, by the way. I use those. To find those my wallet. Fascinating. And stuff. I'm just how they work. I'm not Tile. sure. I f- the tiles, tags, whatever it is. Yeah, those so, are awesome. I think they'll probably sell a ton of them if they really work well. Um, I don't know if I want my phone. Is my phone actually getting used? Oh, you have one too, Rich. On my keys. That's, that's a tile, right? But you're yeah. not. You're not even ADD. I lose but that, things. But does that work through oh. someone else's iPhone that you don't no, know? It, that, it, it only okay. works through my. Like it needs to be near my tile app on my phone. Yeah. It's just That's interesting in terms of the mesh connectivity that could exist. Um, I don't think Apple's going to be the only one that does this. I think Google's got a lot of IoT things out there, which we'll spend some more time on in the future. So it's so, so theoretically, the Walter, if you put IoT. this on a dog. So if you theoretically put this on your dog, <laughs> the dog wouldn't think, have don't to be they near. Put chip, don't they put chips in dogs these days? No, no stop they it. Do. Just think. I, I think I'm what not I wanna, even kidding. Does your dog have a chip, Rich? It's too young. You can't do it till a year. Um, oh, okay. But you're going to get one. But but here's my question. <laughs> if, if your dog ran away and they had a, a, an, a, an air tag on it, they wouldn't need to be near your iPhone. They could be near any iPhone. 
new or old or only a new iPhone? Like how, how, how does the network, you have any idea, like whether it's just certain it devices or iOS phones, but it's, I think there's some more to learn about how the connectivity works and if there's any privacy, obviously Apple is very good on defending our privacy. Um, so we'll see, you know, I don't want people, I don't want people using my phone because if there's any incremental battery burn is not great. It's just kind of like when Comcast has, you know, sends the routers to someone's home and they have that public, you yeah. know, public Wi-Fi that's available. I don't, you know. I always phone. turn that off. Yeah, because why would you want to share the three megabit uplink that you have with some random? You know what? Person? You you guys are living in the old world. It's all about decentralization. Right? How does the blockchain work? It's all about sharing, guys. But look, let's focus on the podcast aspect of it. If they allowed subscriptions. I think that triggered an immediate response from uh, Spotify. This is sources. Spotify plans to announce an Apple podcast subscriptions competitor yeah. that will let podcasters set their own prices without charging them or taking a cut. Well, so. it's Spotify has been working on this for a while, obviously. Maybe they decided to leak it to take some of the thunder out of Apple. But what's most interesting well, well, about they're what also Spotify in court. is well, doing they're also in court. is... Well, forget about that. But what's most interesting is Spotify is not taking a cut. They're right. They're not monetizing here. So what they're while Apple is. I don't know. A Apple's challenge is the fact that if they're charging thirty percent and the and the the player itself, which obviously has tremendous market share because they're first, but it's not necessarily yeah. the best. Spotify is trying to get customers. I use Castro. I know I'm in the minority, but like it's kind of an open playing field. So by charging 30%, the risk is that whether it's Spotify or someone else, that they just end up losing overall share for a market that I think we all but agree. That's, that's what's brilliant about what Spotify, that's what I was going to say. It, that's what's brilliant about what Spotify is doing, right? Because all of those creators who want to monetize via subscription are just going to come onto Spotify because it's free. And ultimately, right. Spotify is going to win market share. It's an investment. Ultimately, uh, okay. I, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate. I actually think yeah. both strategies are brilliant. Apple Ooh. doesn't monetize podcasts today. They have no monetization of podcasts. Like they don't have, they don't really, th this is the only way they're going to monetize podcasting because they don't do advertising. So the only way they monetize podcasting is through upselling. So you're saying, so you're saying share doesn't matter to them at that's all. Like saying they don't don't know. Know. That's like saying that they don't monetize iMessage. It's all part of the ecosystem that theoretically that, you know, you want to come back into. Well, what I'm getting at is, they have 60% market share of podcasting today. Right. All they're going to do is say, hey, this is a way. Lots of traffic comes through our network. Sell a subscription here. It's not exclusive. Like They can still put the subscription on or the, uh, the premium subscription on Spotify too. So for Spotify, they already charge a subscription. People are already paying. This is a way to say, hey, podcaster. Well, people are already, some people are already paying and some people aren't already paying. Right? And by the way, Apple is already getting paid for the phone, for the services Correct. that are necessary with the phone, including cloud storage, um, et cetera. So both sides are already, quote, getting paid. If, if the idea is to win right, in podcasting, the way to win is to get the most content onto your, onto your platform. Daniel realizes that, so he's willing to undercut Apple. You're saying Apple doesn't give a shit because it's just extra monetization and it's not important for them to win market share in podcasting or to retain it. That's fine. Is that... Is I mean, that kind of, ultimately what you're saying? And let me just let me kind of pile on to what Brandon said. It kind of reminds me a little bit of 
the business case for Uber Eats, which is price it really aggressively, get as much market share as possible, and then fuck people and charge them. So maybe, yeah. so even if even at the end of the day, you want to monetize it, the point is, we think we're early stage in podcast world. Like, why wouldn't you just, you know, kind of present some lower tier to get Spotify is playing the long game. Well, I also think Spotify has 15 right. or less percent market share in podcasting. They need to play catch up. They need to break through. They're doing everything they can to want creators and podcasting is, to yeah, love that. They, it is integral to their overall business plan because it's so margin accretive to them if they could get it to work. And but remember, they're the, but they're not going to be the only two destinations for podcasts and platforms for podcasts, right? I mean, maybe there's well, a look, big a- one. Amazon. No, look, Amazon's coming like crazy. Like you're going to see I mean, they bought Odyssey, Wondry. Odyssey is going to put together an app. I mean, there's, there's I radio Astro yep. as a platform with. No, it's not radio. It's Aud- uh, It's Odyssey now. Now I it's Odyssey. Sorry. Yes. yes. You're now it's Odyssey. Not Sorry. Yes. It's Odyssey. I mean, it used to be radio.com. They've, radio. got, they've got great that's local. That's still content. relatively subscale, right? Sure. I, and it's but domestic. I, I understand only. that. But okay, is is um, Spotify not subscale when it's, it's specifically with Glo- podcasts? It's, it's global and they still have 15% share, right? Uh, sure. But the market so. leader has 60. So the, the point is, Apple's the dominant player. Apple's got a different perspective. They know they're going to get people just like Apple one. They're going to get people just because they have, that's the starting point for so many people. And right now, remember, what do you do right now? You go to Apple podcast then the podcaster says, go to my Patreon, go to another app and go find my podcast, click, copy the URL, come back to Apple podcast and click add URL. Like it is a shitty user. So much. It's shitty. So well, there's a lot just, of things that are not great about Apple's podcast, even functionally. So, you know, do a lot of the functional edits to make it better. And that's yep. part of people potentially using. It. And what about advertising, though? I mean, you're sitting there, you're doing your native apps. How do you collect on that? Well, look, I think that's sort of the, the shocking thing, right, is that Apple has not really invested in the experience of podcasting in a long time. <laughs> Right. So why I mean, not, why well, not, there's two really distinct wanna, things. There's create. There's additional creator monetization and Apple monetization, um, with improved advertising and building out the ad stack. Tools and tools. Apple right. providing tools that so the that the podcaster can use to layer in those ads. You know, and that's Look. number one. And number two. And I think Apple's launching a new podcast player, so maybe this will solve it. The player itself is complete garbage. That's what Walt's biggest problem is. And on top of that, the they data and analytics. I, they didn't like that when I said that, by the way. No, no, no. But, okay. but look, but look Brandon, I, didn't use, I didn't say garbage. I just said that it's not really. Well, maybe I did say garbage. <laughs> look, they're also, <laughs> launching, they're also launching better analytics so that podcasters now will know where you're listening from. Sure. Like they'll know that everybody in New York loves this podcast so that podcasters who want to do cool. live entertainment. They're playing touring, catch up. Yes, exactly. Wow, they're actually geolocate- giving data. The- I know, but you could, but dude, you could argue the same thing about, but you could argue some, the same thing about a lot of the phone features that they've been adding during the evolution of the iPhone stuff that Samsung phones have had far before them. And then they add it and make a big, you know, big to do about it, but it's like, it's existed in the market. I mean, these new iMacs, they they just put like the finger authorization on the keyboard and like, that's supposed to be a big, big thing. I mean, honestly, like how did it take that long to do that? But going even Bloomberg can do that, and they have a fucking DOS interface that we're using. Going back to data and analytics, though, I want to point something out. When you listen to a podcast on Spotify, most of the time you stream it, right? So you actually have way better data and analytics, knowing 
when people are listening, how long they're listening for, as opposed to Apple, where you download the podcast and you lose complete touch with um, with the actual metrics surrounding the, the usage and behavior. Yeah, but, they, they, but if you're using their player, they should there should be a way for them to provide those types of metrics to you. Like honestly, like how hard? Okay, is that? we're we're moving on. We're moving on. Why, Brandon? That was good. I know. Yes, but we have a lot to do. So Sarah Needleman, go. Sarah Needleman, she's been finding her way in lately for whatever reason, but maybe it's because we keep talking about Discord. But WSJ Scoop, chat startup Discord has decided to remain independent as it resumes interest in a potential initial public offering. And we talked about this before, how perfect Discord would have been for Microsoft. It fits seamlessly with so many of their products, um, whether it's Skype or the gaming division, um, their sort of desire to in, embed themselves into the creator community. One of the reasons that they were trying to get a piece of TikTok, it would have been a great acquisition for them. I don't know exactly what happened. Microsoft has been willing to overpay for things in the past, so maybe this had, you know, to do with more than just money. So um, Google missed out. Google missed out on Twitch, which always surprised us that they missed out on that acquisition or they let Amazon take that acquisition. Yeah, I mean, it's if you not were like, Google, if you remember you come back in? to Twitch, I think Google bid like 800 million and Amazon bid, bid a billion, which looking back is so fucking silly, especially in context of the businesses that we see now in the private world that are worth 750, 800, you know, almost up to a billion dollars. So why doesn't Google just come in and say, pick your number. We have to own this. Like much like Zuckerberg did with WhatsApp, like just pick up whatever the number is. I don't know if from a DOJ perspective, whether Google can, can go and buy uh, a communications app. You, you guys tell me because you're way closer to Washington than I am, but there is a microscope under um, the fangs that for whatever reason, Microsoft has been able to um, avoid. And Microsoft seems to be, and they're a, what, $2 trillion company, whatever they are. It seems like they could just keep buying and buying and buying and no one gives a shit. Maybe Epic. I mean, why doesn't Epic step in and buy Discord? I mean, they've just raised a crap load of capital. Like, I mean, Discord is actually a giant acquisition for Epic. And they have house party in their own strategy to kind of do similar things on, you know, integrating it in, right? And building it out that probably more themselves. Discord, if you look at the last funding round for Epic, it was what, 28 or $29 billion. Um, and Discord's going to cost upwards of 10. So it would be pretty dilutive. And is that the bet you want to make? I mean, if AT&T is serious about gaming and wants to expand Warner Interactive, like I know they don't have 10 billion sitting around. And but- also like Warner, like if you talk about like the Warner studio, it's it's a pimple anyway. That thing's probably worth what, six or seven billion dollars. It's it's actually tiny in the scheme of things. So look, there are I, I think it's an asset that can make sense for a lot of acquirers. Um the question, it doesn't seem like they're going to go that way now. Do you think that Discord will do well, Rich, as a standalone company um, uh, in the public markets? 
Look, we talk a lot about the subscriptionization of the consumer. This was yep. they've clearly got a subscription product. Yep. People Discord like. Nitro. People are pay- a lot of people are paying what ten bucks a month, a hundred bucks a year. I think those are those are Look, the two we, choices. I, we just signed up for Casey. Um, you know, he did this interview of Mark Zuckerberg this week, and it was only on on Discord, and you know, it worked pretty well. Like. I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting that it could be a platform that goes far beyond, obviously, gaming. Uh, you know, the top all, all you know, if you think if I, if I just think about even Twitch, go back to Twitch for a second, like the number one use case is just chatting. So like the, the concept of these sort of platforms for people to communicate and sell subscriptions. I don't know. It's interesting. I like I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what the numbers look like, obviously, on Discord. So it's hard to to really comment too far. But it certainly, you know, it certainly is intriguing. You know, if Microsoft isn't going to buy it, I just wonder whether they really want to go public and deal with being a public company or whether this is sort of like, well, who else is out there? And is there the chance that somebody, given the growth in gaming, somebody comes in with a huge check? That's the other question. Does this management team and I know they change over the CFO. Right. But the founders and the rest of the management team want to be a public company because you know there's there's a lot that comes with that and i don't know if those guys in particular you know want to fit that mold let's just leave it at that so that that's another open question on ipo let's versus let's um, shift to so. 5g and dish walt uh, yeah this week there was a big news for the biggest move in the space. Dish was up, I think, like over 10%, um, finally announcing a deal with Amazon. AWS is their cloud service. Um, so this gets get people excited. I mean, I think, you know, there has been speculation that, you know, Dish is, that Amazon would sell wireless services as part of your prime or that Amazon would somehow fund a Dish. To me, the bigger issue here is, and we talked about this last week in terms of that announcement that was in Europe. What is real 5G? Real 5G is standalone all the way back to the core. Remember how we talked about, you know, better battery life on your phone? And so Dish is, has the opportunity in the U.S. to get there first. They're really, Charlie's basically just fucking going for it and saying like, all right, we're just going to put everything in the cloud. Like this is, if you envision what the future of networks should look like, it should all be in the cloud. And I think everyone's going to get there. And, and Charlie just saying like, fuck VMware, like Amazon's our guy. We're going to get in bed with them. They had a great quote from, from the, the, um, the CEO um, or the next Jassy um, from, so that's a huge, I think when it, it, what it doesn't mean though, is that I don't think people should read into this, that Amazon is like, now going to fund the build out. I think at this point they're going to take a but shot. That was the that was the original speculation that 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 that, that was going to be the. I don't know what you mean by original this. speculation. That's some people's speculation. So I don't think that was everyone's yeah. speculation. Clearly, if that was everyone's speculation, the stock would be down. So anyone that thought that that's what the bull case was based on, they was they were wrong because the stock was up another ten percent. Um, so I think this is just. I think in part, like there's some, a lot of negativity always on Ergen. Oh, we can't get a deal done. So he's like, okay, fuck you. I just got a deal done with Amazon. How's that for getting a deal done? And he did, by the way, get a deal done with T-Mobile and Sprint. So this fucking narrative of like Charlie not being able to get deals done is wrong. Now, the challenge he has now is building this out. This is brand new fucking technology, right? These are, this is, if it works, it'll be. And and first cities, Vegas, we're starting in Vegas. The first city I thought was going to be Denver, but apparently Vegas is probably a little flatter, a little easier to do. Um, and Walt, you're psyched about that because yeah, now it gives it. you it gives you a little excuse to take a, a a business trip out to Vegas. It's look, this is 
they have to execute and that is not easy to do. And I think Charlie was right on his last call in that, like, don't expect this fucking thing to work great from the get-go. Like there has never been a new wireless technology launch that I can recall that everyone's like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. There, There's going to be bumps and bruises, but like he's really going for it. Like he's not resorting back to the Ericsson's of the world and the standard infrastructure. He's going for what the next generation of technology. So it's, it's, it's interesting. And I think the stock obviously reacted as a result. So we've got Frank Pilata from CNN going, Justin, Spider-Man's finally coming to Disney+. Plus. Sony and Disney announced a multi-year content licensing agreement on Wednesday that brings Sony's titles to Disney streaming service and channels in the U.S. That includes your friendly neighborhood web slinger. Um, you know, the what's interesting about this is forget about the whole Disney, because I think that's actually relatively minor in the scheme of things. It's great. The titles will end up be it'll take some time, but there'll be catalog titles that'll flow in. What's interesting is more about Sony. So Sony's taken a very different approach than all the other media companies. Sony just wants to be an arms dealer. Everyone else is basically trying to be Netflix and Disney Plus, and everyone's going to war and entering the SVOD wars. Sony is sitting there. Sony Through SVOD make- or AVOD, either way, streaming wars. Correct. But, but Sony, which made $200 million selling their movies to stars before, is now going to take the same annual output. So they got $200 million a year from stars. They're going to take those same new movies that they come out with in catalog and they've sold it to Netflix and Disney, depending on the timing of the window, Netflix sooner, Disney later. And they're going to make between six and eight hundred million dollars a year. Incredible. Now, part part of that, isn't there another agreement with some, you know, first window films that are that are part of that? So maybe the apples to apples is a little less, but nonetheless, it's a massive step up. Massive. And what's I interesting mean, like, about Netflix is I remember when Netflix lost that content and they were basically like, it doesn't matter who gives a shit. Like no one watched this content anyway. Like it was such a infinitesimal part of our viewership. And that was back then when they had way less content than they do now. But they Sony's content was pretty bad. But although Sony's content was pretty bad back then, to be fair. But yes, that's a great point, Brandon, is that when they lost that stars deal at Netflix, everyone was like, ah, this is no big deal. These movies don't really matter. Pay one movies don't really matter. And they were the ones who led that narrative. And now they step back in and paid three times the amount for it for less less of a window. So all it makes me think is like you're sitting in the boardroom at Viacom or at Discovery or at, you know, Comcast, you know, NBCU. And you're going, oh, my God, look at these numbers, like the the war for content between Disney and Netflix and Apple and Amazon. These numbers are massive. Like, should we just be an arms dealer? You know, you take WWE, uh, which I know we're going to get to in a second, but like, you know, maybe being an arms dealer and just selling your content is not such a bad idea. And like, it's just I wonder if we're going to look back at this Sony deal and go, Sony was the smart one. They don't have any marketing costs. They don't have any technology investment. They're not hiring engineers. They're literally just selling just content. doing what they know how to do, which is actually the same move you just brought up WWE that WWE made. They're, they basically understood that they couldn't run a streaming service and they sold off the WWE network in the U.S. Um, to, NB- to NBCU to be part of Peacock. And they're doing the same thing internationally, understanding what's in the DNA of your company and executing on that. 
Now, now, if we talk about WWE, um, they did stray a little bit on their earnings call from what they, you know, probably should have been focusing on, which which was WWE earnings results. Well, but um, let me just stop you, Brandon. Let me just stop you for a second, because I think if you if you if you're trying to think through, like, why did they stray? The, the thing that I've been thinking about is is the idea that hey, there's a lot more bidders that, for course, sports rights. Of course, like is yeah, sort so of framing a maybe, narrative. Maybe we should play it, but before we play it, I think what Nick was trying to do here was say, look, people are worried because in however what three more years or probably two to start negotiating, we're, we have Raw and SmackDown rights coming up. And because our ratings have been so pitiful, people are worried, investors, that we'll get a step down or not get the step ups that they expect. And he's saying, you know what? There are way more bidders out there than than you guys realize. And it's just not it's not just linear TV players who are having problems. So let's let's listen to what Nick had to say on the earnings call. Couple two, of sound bites. Two, two clips. I'm going to play okay. both of them, one after another. First, as we discussed last earnings call, Amazon grabbed the Thursday night NFL package. Though we have no inside knowledge of this, we wouldn't be shocked if Amazon was negotiating now as we speak to get that package on its air exclusively early. <laughs> okay, that's one. Now we're going to do the next one. It's our belief that NBC and the NHL are not going to continue to be in business together. Months ago, so that had absolutely nothing to do with our decision-making process. Okay, so, so a, a couple of things happened on this call, right? First, in the prepared, it was actually in the prepared remarks that he brought up am, the Amazon situation and Amazon negotiating to get um, Thursday night football and, exclusivity and, and early. presumably, presumably, to, to doing that to, to illustrate. Amazon is really getting aggressive in sports. Yeah. Like I assume that, that's the, that is definitely the point that that he was trying to make. Then um, he also implied there, in I think in the same prepared remarks that um, NBCU wasn't interested in hockey anymore. Then we. I, I don't think he. I don't think he. Question. Hold on. I don't think he implied it, Brandon. He said it was. No, a no, fact. no. He flat out said it as a fact later. Like so, I asked him the question. I was, you know, I, a very vague one on purpose. Like, who else is out there, you know, bidding for for sports rights? And he came back and he gave more color on on what he was talking about. So actually, before that, you know, sorry to be long winded. I asked about AEW. And why they shifted nights. And part of that had to do with, again, their belief that the NHL um, wasn't going to be um, on NBC anymore. So it, free, it freed up the night. And then right? where did Apple fit into this discussion? Because then he starts talking about Apple. Um, because then after that, I asked him um, what other bidders were out there. And then he said that he believed Apple had bid on sports rights and was getting ready, I think, to be a more aggressive bidder. He said I, after that. Look, I, I mean, would it's, not great be surprised. it's great well, color. It's great color. Look, we had we had and Brian. He knows. I mean, look at look, look at what his previous 
job was, right? He negotiated these deals. He's definitely in the know. And I think that what he said probably has a lot of credence to it and is something that investors should take seriously. Well, you, Walt, and I all had Brian Rolap on from the NFL on Lightshed Live a few weeks ago. And Brian made it pretty clear that Sunday ticket does not have to be exclusive. There could be multiple buyers of Sunday I've always, ticket. I mean, you know this. I've always thought that was the way to go for Sunday ticket. Who, and who Apple is a, should be involved and Amazon should be involved. I mean, it's a premium product. It fits perfectly with Apple TV+. Plus. That's sports rights. I mean, it's not sort of linear broadcasting the way Amazon's doing with Thursday. But it certainly would get, you know, it fits, Apple it, into it the fits, game. No, it, it fits being sold in a channel store, right? An app store, as yeah. Apple would call it, or a channel store, as Amazon would call it. That's where I, that's where um, Sunday Ticket belongs. I'm just saying because Walt talks all about all the time about how this is kind of the services side of Apple. This would be a meaningful new services product for them to sell. Would you watch it on your Apple TV, Walt? Instead of your DirecTV satellite dish? I mean, uh, streaming obviously is the future, right? We're just kind of stating the obvious at this point. It's just a matter of when. So, you know, if you know what the future is, well, these companies should accelerate it as quickly as they can. Right? Yeah. And I so mean, it's pretty, pretty simple. I- I'm still not sure, Brandon, if WWE's ratings don't get better. I'm still not sure people pay up for declining ratings in the future. Like the NFL. Yeah. The ratings, I mean, the, like, look, the, the other thing that Nick said was that because of how top heavy um, some of these sports deals um, have been and probably will continue to be, that there's going to be, quote, bag holders um, who have you know, struggled in ratings that aren't going to get what they're hoping to get. And he called out actually the Big Ten network, um, which or Big Big Ten package, which is coming up for renewal and said that that was going to disappoint. The question is, if WWE ratings continue and Raw is putting up one seven as opposed to like three, which it was at the last negotiation and that sort of spiral continues is he going to be one of those bag holders i don't know okay bottom line take away from all of this before we move on everyone who's watching and listening to this podcast should realize that now every quarter wwe conference calls are now mandatory to listen <laughs> yeah. to or read because you're going to get great data points on what's happening in the sports yeah. i think and that's, by the way that's what's should- interesting and people should listen to Nick because he knows what he's talking about and i'm hopeful that Nick will come on light shed live soon and, you know, tell us more. Give us his broader thoughts on the industry. Tesla, Walt. Right, so <laughs> I mean, this oh, my was, God. I don't, this is not funny. First of all, this is no, not funny. Not so I don't know why funny, you're laughing. That is ridiculous. Um, it's a sad story, but... Um, for, the, for our podcast listeners, they're showing a picture of the Tesla that burned for four hours, I think, um, from the battery. But it was it was basically a crash where we don't know exactly what happened, but you can in you can probably guess that some Tesla owners were were trusting what Tesla describes as um, autopilot or full self driving cars, um, and. It's a crash. And I think the, the, the takeaway here is there's something called driver monitoring systems. We may all know this in terms of you don't put your seatbelt on, it fucking beeps and annoys the shit out of you. Like there are systems that you can put in place that if someone's not actually in the driver's seat, the car won't go. Or if your hands are not on the wheels, the car won't go. So regardless of who is at fault here, 
you know that like when you have incidents like this and and people um, are dying that it could lead to regulation. So I think it's in the autonomous world, which has gone through, like there was a lot of hype when Uber was launching. Now Uber has sold their autonomous group and there's there's kind of SPACs that are bringing things in autonomy and LiDAR has moved forward. LiDAR is a technology, by the way, that that um, Tesla doesn't use. Um, so one to keep an eye on, I think going forward is these driver monitoring systems. Because I think if we're getting to autonomy, which I'm still optimistic that we will get to at some point, um, driver monitoring is going to be a key component of that. It's just amazing that, you know, it was pretty big news to start the week, but like if this shit keeps happening, like regulation will, I think, come in. So keep your hands on the wheel is the takeaway. Well, first of all, if you own a Tesla, just understand that um, it's not truly full driving. Like you are supposed to actually be there in the driver's seat. You can't, it's not like what, no matter what words they use, if you actually read the fine print, it's not, it's basically highly advanced um, driver assistance as opposed to full autonomy. Brandon, I want to shift to gaming. Okay, we have two tweets on Activision Blizzard here. The first one from WWG, Overwatch 2 fans worried as director leaves Blizzard after 19 years. And the second one from Call of Duty, 100 million players and counting. Thank you all for dropping in. It wouldn't be Warzone without you. And Activision, you know, ATVI is Activision Blizzard. They're you know, and King, obviously, but two separate divisions. And to a certain extent, it's been a tale of two cities, right? Um, the Activision division has been firing on all cylinders. The Call of Duty franchise in particular um, has been amazing. They've been able to, you know, build experiences and monetize them um, across multiple platforms with multiple business models. They, so they mobile proved mobile works. works. They proved right. mobile they works, proved right? They proved mobile works. They did free-to-play with Warzone. And at the yep. same time, they've been doing, you know, been selling tons of upfront units um, on the annual Call of Duty release, right? Without um, cannibalizing everything. Everything has worked together. And what we said was that... and is the paradigm for all of the Activision Blizzard IP going forward. Now, Blizzard has had some improvements, um, successes. World of Warcraft has certainly done well as they've mixed classic with the modern version. Um, but like ultimately, everyone's been looking to Overwatch and Diablo to, to take on that um, that call of duty blueprint and we've been waiting for new overwatch overwatch 2 and diablo 4 for a while and jeff kaplan who is the lead designer and like real face of overwatch leaving makes an investor wonder how soon is it that we're actually going to get overwatch 2 it seemed like a foregone conclusion for a while that it would be this year now I think investor expectations have shifted to next, but is is there turmoil in the franchise? And why can't Blizzard seem to get out of their own way? It's been a rough couple of years, just over and over. Yeah, I mean, it, look, seems like, there, it just seems are, like we've been making a lot green of shoots there. There are things that are going well, but I mean, they're they're going to need to drop these games at, at some point for the stock probably to take the next leg up. 
Twitter, um, tipping. We talked about this on the podcast a while ago, but you know, Walt, you found this one. Um, it's uh, Jackie Wong. Jackie Wong was um, tweeting. Finally, I can monetize my dad jokes. But what he's dunking on um, is a, a tweet from someone talking about how um, I don't know if this is a test or this person's actually seeing it for reals. But basically, different ways that you can tip someone via Bandcamp, Cash App, Patreon, PayPal, Venmo. Um, odd Apple Pay is not on there, but a way to to tip people on Twitter. Um, so that would be interesting to add that well, functionality new way of making money. But I think the important point is really embracing creators. And I think that's something that we're seeing really across all of sort of the mobile platforms, Snapchat's getting really aggressive. We're seeing that, you know, lots more content flowing onto Snapchat. Now, every, everybody has woken up to the fact that, you know, a lot of the engagement on their platform is, because of individual creators that are driving people and that are breeding loyalty and they need to get fucking paid. Right. It is like there was a wake up call. And we could talk about the future of the creator economy. It's going to become, you know, e even more imperative as there's more options on the blockchain for creators to really go direct to consumer and get paid and sure, evade sure, the but, platforms. But if you just think about it, we're going from sort of time spent. If you just look at the war for time, right? Linear TV, streaming TV, like the whole creator time spent with creators is exploding everywhere. And you're seeing platforms that really had just not really focused on like we put a buy on Pinterest this week. Part of the thesis was built around creators now creating content for the platform, Twitter, which didn't really ever have a way of helping creators monetize, tip jars are brilliant. It may not be a massive revenue stream I mean, for most dude, creators. I don't know. I don't, by the way, I don't know if it's brilliant. I mean, it's a tried and true monetization method right, that exactly. they should have like plugged in a long time ago. Sure. This uh, isn't like, none. Of, there's nothing fucking groundbreaking in any of these monetization techniques that are being employed now, especially if you look to the East, oh, where oh, China oh, has been using them oh, for years and years and years and years. It has well, been a just, blind eye that the platforms out of their own hubris have have hubris. Um, turned hubris. Whatever Apple, it is. hold on. Right? Apple, <laughs> Apple doing podcast subscriptions when Patreon has been doing it for the last seven years. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, you know. Sometimes when you're about to really get disrupted or you're starting to get disrupted, that's what makes you change your tune. Right. This and isn't about any of these platforms being forward thinking in any way, shape or form, period. I, I will pile on to that and say it's not even fast follow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but look, which, it's, which, it's, by uh, the way, which is which is very typical of in, of incumbents in yep. any business. You Correct. only change when you're forced to change. Right. Right. And no, no, this is what, what I'm just, saying is, this is what we, more, we talked about. There's this. more we, coming. We talked and we talked about this earlier with Apple in terms of some of the some of the phone changes that they made or adding a fingerprint on their fucking keyboard. Like, OK, great. Like you should have done that two years ago, three years ago. But you're right. If you're the incumbent, there's more risk to you pissing off the customers like going doing a new Coke than it is to like following something that, you know, is probably going to work. By the yeah, way, they, talking about. 
talking about fingerprint readers, the new carbon laptop that you made me buy, Brandon, the ThinkPad, the new the new generation, whatever this is, eight or nine, whatever this thing is, the fingerprint nine. and the power button is now in a much better place and works much better. And they okay, integrated, well, that, they integrated the power button and the fingerprint reader is all one button now. My carbon seven is a lemon and I'm probably going to have to get a carbon nine, whether um, I like it or not. Your carbon seven was a lemon. So you just had to get a new one. Brandon, the other, the bigger picture here is just payments in general, where our yep. country is far behind. And obviously there's yep. things that are happening in other versions of the, our banking system. That's right. Uh, which are about to get disrupted as well. So it's kind of it one all, and the same. It's, it is it's, it's, making it easier. Technology is enabling people who add value to the world to get paid for that value. And there are those who have sat in the middle, right? And benefited from other people, right? That are going to get disrupted. And some of those are large platforms whose role is going to have to change. I love it. Brandon, ticketing. Um, I don't, uh, this is just live events in general. Um, we have two tweets. The first is from the Dave Matthews band, not my favorite band, but generally a bellwether when it comes to amphitheater touring. DMB is excited to announce rescheduled dates for its 2021 tour, which will kick off on July 23rd in Raleigh, North Carolina. In light of COVID-19, many dates have been rescheduled, including the addition of new shows in Tampa and Denver for the complete itinerary, visit their website. Okay. Um, So just on this, like I said before, this is a long tour as Dave Matthews Band summer tours usually are long amphitheater tour with some inside dates at the end. It starts on July 23rd and there is no, you know, social distancing at these events. So if anything was to really- Because they're they're outside. well, these are outdoor outside events. at the beginning because it's summer, which yep. generally summer shows are outside, right? But in you know going into October, indoor dates included. Like this is it. Like live entertainment business, stake in the ground is ready to kick back off in the United States. This is a bellwether. Separately. Um, in SPAC mania, which has actually slowed down a little as all these SPACs have gotten killed and there's been some you know, down a lot. Yeah. The, yeah, the SEC is, is things and nothing. accounting yeah. changes um, that are being forced to take place. Nonetheless, um, Horizon Acquisition Corp, which was already out there as a SPAC, found a target, which is Vivid Seats. And it says Vivid Seats has entered into a merger agreement with Horizon Acquisition Corp that will see the SPAC take Vivid public. The deal is expected to close later this year and values the newly combined company at over $2 billion. I think that was something like 18 times their um, EBITDA projection for 2022. A couple of things on this. One is that um, the uh, GMV um, or gross order value, whatever they call it in their KPIs, projected for 2022 was very similar to 2019. So they're modeling a touring year that you know is on par with what we saw in the last full year before COVID. We think that is extremely conservative. If you look at the supply of artists that are touring and talk to people um, about the demand, see what the demand has been for those things that have been put on sale. I think 2022 is going to be completely off the charts. Um, Bonkers. For, 
bonkers is the word for this year. If you look at the GMB that they're projecting, I think it was something like 35 or 40 percent of what 2019 was. So that that kind of, you know, that's still a big number in the scheme of things. I think more than I would have thought three months ago. Yeah. And I think, first of all, they're definitely being conservative because that's where they're that's where they're you know going to set the bar. What and is Vivid think, own? Like what what is Vivid own? Like what well, their Vivid is a, is a secondary ticketer. Okay. Got it. And one the thing that they're like really good at is using um, technology SEO um, to to grab people um, uh, onto their site or app. And they're they're known for really good customer service, but they're competing with the StubHubs of the world, um, secondary ticketing on Ticketmaster. As an aside, we think that secondary ticketing over time is going to be is going to reverse and start shrinking as a piece of the pie as ticket pricing gets much more efficient. And that's just a process. But you could see that over net net. Live Nation Ticketmaster has been raising ticket prices, you know, mid-ish to mid to high single digits every year to close that gap of inefficiency out there. So I'm not like, I don't think fully bullish um, on secondary ticketing, although their guidance for the record does seem very conservative. And I think they they kind of you know made a decent-ish case on their call yesterday. Um <clears throat> Uh, uh, about at least the near term for the industry and the fact that they'll have some cash and maybe it could be a consolidator of some of these, you know, uh, less, um, some of these secondary ticketers, at least that have less market share, maybe even a little primary. Uh, let's go to our last slide, which is Hulu Live. This is from the streamable. Hulu and live TV to add the NFL network and NFL red zone for 2021 season. Our listeners and watchers are probably like, okay, this is not a huge deal. And you're right in and of itself. It's not a very big deal for Hulu. I mean, I think it, when Hulu says, you know, Hulu is live sports, obviously having not so much the NFL network, but certainly having red zone, I think is important. Certainly speaks to sort of their focus on sports fans and trying to be focused around sports, although they don't have any of the RSNs because those have become too expensive. So that, you know, basically all of the, the VMVPDs have now dropped. The, the reason I put this in at the end is it's just sort of an opportunity to sort of dunk on Fubo, which has continued to talk about how they are the sports first or the sports focused VMVPD. And here's another example of how all of these VMVPDs, YouTube TV, Hulu Live, Fubo, they're all basically the exact same thing. They're basically all at a similar price. They all have the same channels. The best interface in our minds is clearly YouTube TV. Uh, you know, Hulu, Fubo, they're all fine, but there's really no differentiation among these products. And I just think it's funny how some of them, you know, are trying to position themselves as sports focused when the reality is none of them are the best places for sports. Uh, if you really are a diehard sports fan. Linear bundle, you, like the old wired MVPD bundle. That's it. Yeah. Like, I think that's what that's the irony here. Like, if you want to although, watch. Although, dude, YouTube TV, I have been using that it's like to catch up on games, those uh, highlights that they put in, they have a very, very you know, good product for those who are watching sports. They just don't have all the sports rights. If you want all the sports rights, wired MVPD bundle, period. 
Right. But, but, you know, what I don't understand is like the whole pitch of the VMVPDs, they've sort of built it around sports. And yet that's really not the reason, you know, it helps, but like, there's no diehard. If you have to have every local game, everything of your team, the last place you want to be is on a VMVPD. Like I really feel like the VMVPD is for a lighter sports fan in general, just because it's never going to have everything. I'm a huge sports fan and you know, I use the VMVPD, albeit I'll admit, you know, I have some passwords to make sure I get the over the top versions. Uh, you know, there's TV everywhere, if you will. Is that such a, is that a, is there a name for that anymore? Uh, is that like your leisure suit Larry voice? Like, hey, uh, 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 do you remember uh, leisure suit Larry? Yeah, uh, I got some passwords. Well, was that was that metaverse shit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, are we done? Because I I, I hear are. some music. Oh, happy birthday, Mark! Happy birthday to us, hey, dear Mark, and our podcast. Play it louder, Rich. You've been too low on the levels today. Happy birthday to us. And, well, Mark is one of us, so double to Mark. Thanks, everyone, Happy. for listening to the Light Chat Episode Podcast 53. for an entire year and a day. Take care. Have a good weekend. Bye.